fearing failure and we just have like an overall negative attitude towards any kind of change. So trying to do our best to reject that diet culture and the messages it's giving us, you know, if you want to go eat a donut one day, go eat a donut. If you don't want to work out, don't work out. I'm a huge proponent of just listening to your body, doing what feels good, doing what's going to make you happy and screw what everyone else has to say. <laughs> Welcome to Let's Thrive the Podcast, a place for holistic storytelling with none of the BS and a whole lot of fun. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and my mission is to interview guests that inspire, educate, and empower you to live your best life. In these stories, you will see a part of your own journey reflected in theirs and learn to grow from it. And with that said, let's thrive. Welcome back to Let's Thrive the Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Feichels. Thank you all for stopping by to listen, and I am so excited about today's episode. I know the podcast in general has had a lot of episodes lately on body image and eating disorder recovery, anti-diet culture, etc, etc, and that's because honestly, that's life right now. This podcast is a reflection of not only what I'm struggling with, but what I see people, you all, people on Instagram, in life, wherever, struggling with as well. And something about 2020 has just brought up a lot of inner work for those of us struggling to really reclaim our life from diet culture. And so I've definitely had more of these episodes and they seem to be resonating with you all, so if they are, let me know. You can always leave a review or you can DM me on Instagram. Just let me know what's resonating or what you'd like to see more of, or, of course, any constructive criticism you may have. I'm always open to learning more, learning more from my mistakes, and I just always appreciate connecting, uh, especially when one of you reaches out. So, that being said, let's dive right in. As a little pre-show explanation, I first met Erin, today's guest, at Expo West 2019, I believe. So I had been selected to attend with this branding agency, and I knew of a lot of people attending, but no one knew me. <laughs> I was such a baby Instagram account, and so was the podcast. And so anyway, at one point, I sort of stumbled upon this little group and recognized Aaron and Connor, another foodie, and a few others, and I was just like, wow, there they are, you know? And I sort of fumbled my way through hellos and introductions, all that fun stuff. Fast forward, and at the time, like, I didn't really start following Aaron until I think it was like 2020, because I noticed this shift in her content that really drew me in. And I'm very intentional about who I follow. And this shift that she made, it was just so focused and inspiring as anti-diet culture talk. And I don't know when she started, you know, making that shift. But when, as soon as I found her page again and I found that she was doing that, I was like, hells to the yes, I love this. I mean, her captions just get me every time. She just has the most bubbly yet honest personality, and I just, I love that. I really appreciate it. And so it was such a pleasure to sit down and just record this conversation for you all. Now, we discuss a lot in the episode, touching on issues that have been present not only for us, but for our communities as well, such as body image, food fears, weight gain, and overall, this obsession with quote-unquote health that diet culture has really distorted for everyone. And we open on a rather powerful note with how impactful mindset and self-talk can be when it comes to recovery and body image. And then the conversation sort of shifts into how, you know, diet culture has made such an impact on our thoughts and beliefs when it comes to those topics. You know, so that's how things such as the thin ideal have been created and how brands fail to make things size inclusive, uh, or how certain foods are marketed to us. And you guys get what I'm talking about, just all the ways that diet culture has really infiltrated our life. And then on a more personal note, we both discuss what it looks like to fear weight gain, 
and in that, how to drop the obsession with food or fitness or your body. Erin shares these really neat practices she did uh, and still goes to at times where she makes this list to work through the food fears or the body image struggles. You'll hear her explain it, but oh, I just loved it. And the last thing I wanted to touch on before jumping into the actual conversation is that towards the end, Erin shares that on body image days when she's struggling, she sometimes needs to just distract. And I so, so feel that. But as I was editing back and I was thinking on it, I also wanted to make sure that I noted this in the intro as well. I think there are definitely times when we're just not in the mindset to handle those body image struggles, right? Like we just need to give ourselves a break from it, step aside, and distract. But then I think there are times when we do have to face those struggles, when we have to look at our body be with our body, and really come to terms with those not-so-fun thoughts in our head. I think of it as a sort of exposure therapy, right? You can only distract or cover up an issue for so long before you're forced to confront it, before you're forced to really be exposed to the depths of it. And so keep that in mind. So yes, distractions can be great, but other times you may need to just face that truth, and this can be applied in all aspects of life. (laughs) So overall, lots of great discussion, thought-provoking moments, and so please, please, please let us know if you listen. And to celebrate the fact that this fire, powerhouse, amazing episode is number 100 as well, woohoo, cue the confetti, I'm hosting a little giveaway. So you can enter one of these two ways, or you can enter both ways for double the entries. I don't really care. I don't like rules anyway. So number one, you can leave a rate or review for the podcast. And this giveaway will run for the next, let's say, two weeks. And I'll know by the date if you qualify, you know, the date of the review. Um, And then option number two that you could do separately or together with the first one is to share the episode on your stories and tag us both. I'll then be picking one winner to get a package with all sorts of goods. So think New Zest Protein Powder, Go Macro Bars, Four Sigmatic Coffee Blends, Matcha Blends, Hum Nutrition Hair Health Gummies, Collagen Packs. It's going to be loaded with all the goods. So definitely enter. Plus, it also supports the show. Okay, so scratch that. I said that it would run for two weeks. But actually, I'm going to select the winner on Thursday, August 27th, okay? So limited time edition giveaway going here. Take advantage of it. Uh, And so if you want to do this and if you want to connect with us, tag us, whatever it is, Erin is on Instagram at bodybybreakfast, linked below, and I'm on there at Emily Feichels and at Let's Thrive Podcast. We'd love to connect, We'd lo- we love the support, and I hope you all enjoy this episode. So without further ado, let's begin. The other day you did a question box on your Instagram, and I just wanted to know, you know, like, did you see any common themes or struggles, issues coming up? You'd ask people what they were struggling with currently, and you got some, you know, answers that I know I personally relate to. So I'm just curious, like, was there a common theme or issue that you really saw people submitting to that box? Yeah. So, you know, I originally wanted to just share that because I have been getting more open and vulnerable on my page, which I never used to do. It like scares me to death doing that, you know, being so open and um, authentic and stuff like that. But, you know, I kind of wanted to make it known that, you know, people aren't alone with what they're struggling with. So, you know, if I can help, you know, start the the dialogue and those messages and stuff like that, I think that could really help people to one, not feel alone and two, know that they don't have to be alone. Um, so yeah, a couple of the common things that are like the most common thing I got was about body image. Of course, you know, we all struggle with that. It's a huge thing. Um, and then a lot of like struggles with eating, whether it be restricting or under eating and then binging. So, um, 
that all tied into also the fear of weight gain and, you know, feeling comfortable in your own skin and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, all those hit deep for me too, because I've had those exact same struggles. So, you know, even for me hearing people still struggling with that, it makes me feel not alone. And it makes me feel more comfortable sharing, you know, my struggles and my story and that kind of stuff. But those were pretty much the most common things that I saw. That's what first drew me in about podcasts and then Instagram was when you hear other people share things, not just the wins and the good stuff in life, but the struggles and the hardships and all of that fun stuff. Um, you just, yeah, you, you don't feel as alone. And then I think it also invites you yourself to have that conversation, whether it's in your own mind or with people in your life or on a platform. So what you said about like opening the dialogue for others to really step in and kind of, you know, analyze their own, that own narrative they're telling themselves or the narrative they're putting out into the world. I think that's so powerful. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, on Instagram, a lot of us only see, you know, a snippet and, you know, the highlight reel is, you know, as they call it. And, you know, I don't, I don't want it to be like that. I want us to feel more comfortable opening up about, you know, the hard things to talk about, the struggles, the pain, all that kind of stuff, because we are human and we all face it. And, you know, people shouldn't have to go through it alone. So that's what yeah. I'm here for. <laughs> I love that. And, you know, like when we're in those moments, as you're saying, where, you know, we're struggling and it just can sometimes feel uncomfortable. You don't really feel quite right. Are there any like kind of shifts or mindset shifts you yourself use for those days, just when you're not feeling, you know, on top of the world, which happens to everyone, you know, maybe like some mindset things you go through or just the way you change how you talk to yourself on those days? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, mindset and self-talk is like everything. It could make or break your whole day. You know, you wake up and you have a negative thought and you can let that, you know, determine your entire day and how you're going to go about it. Or you can really sit with that feeling and shift your mindset. And, you know, that's kind of what I've especially been trying to work on is making, making that shift. And it's definitely not easy. And it's something that takes, you know, a lot of time and practice and, um, you know, stuff like that. But being able to shift that is so important, you know, just for the day to day, anything like that. But for me personally, um, I think what I do is I have positive affirmations, like all over my room, all over my phone, like anywhere. And, you know, just going back and reading things like that or um, filtering my feed a lot. I do that, you know, just making sure that I'm following the right kind of people that help me in my journey and that keep me on the right track and have the same values and morals as me has been really helpful um, as well. And then just surrounding myself with positivity and doing things that I enjoy. Um, I'm not one of those people that likes to be alone when I'm struggling. I need to like have somebody there that's going to help me through it and somebody that I can talk to and confide in and stuff like that. And um, that really helps me, I think, be able to shift that mindset and get, get my mind off of the negative things and, you know, focus more on the positive things. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like a one and done deal, right? I mean, like you said, it's, you have like the affirmations around your room and you've started to understand what you need, which is to not be alone. And I think all these things that you can try out, you can see what works for you. Um, different things might help in different circumstances, different days. And then most importantly, I think it's about just like understanding that if you do it enough, it eventually starts to become easier and easier and more like a second nature, a habit. Um, that we kind of just pick up on. And it, it doesn't have to be so much of a struggle every time to go from feeling zero to feeling, you know, 100 or 90 or 80. Like you can get yourself elevated a bit quicker. And I think just being aware of, you know, that negativity that you're thinking or you're feeling, I think that's the first step because, you know, we can't change it if we don't notice it. So I think it's so important to just, you know, sit with that feeling and, understand where it's coming from kind of give yourself that time to like analyze it and go through it and then be able to make that shift I think a lot of us you know when we have those thoughts we just try to like push it aside and we're like no I'm not gonna that's that's not that's not it whatever but I think it's so important to just like deal with that feeling and those emotions just so you can change it 
Yeah, I was just recording an intro for another episode the other day, and I was just chatting about something that had come up for me, and I just was trying to get across how important it is where if you do stuff something down like that, you know, and you're like, not today. I mean, granted, there are situations where you can't have a meltdown, you know, in the public space, I guess. But if you keep pushing things down, like they come back and they come back with a vengeance. <laughs> they come up hard, yeah. <laughs> they just take you out. So it's like best to just sit with, acknowledge, sit with it, work through it as soon as possible so it doesn't build up like a volcano. Yeah. I've had my fair share of outbreaks or out whatever. And yep. They're not pretty. No. Oh, no. And for, for me, they always happen in a public place. Like, oh, always. Like, airport. No yeah. No. Nope. Absolutely. At a yeah. restaurant, in the grocery store, like somewhere where there's a million people, that's where it happens. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Someone says like one little thing to you and it's like, I'm so sorry. Like, this isn't about you. This is about my life right now. And yeah. But I'm just going to take it out on you. So yeah. <laughs> You're the closest. <laughs> it happens. Well, well, going back to like those original topics uh, that came up in that question box people were struggling with. I'm just kind of curious, like in your own opinion, how has the media and diet culture in particular really skewered our sense of what it means to be quote unquote healthy? Because healthy means something different to everyone. But I'm just curious, like how have you seen that sort of skewered sense of it because of diet culture and all the media we consume? Um, I think diet culture has screwed us over. Personally, I think it is the worst thing that has ever happened. And, um, you know, today we live in this world that's obsessed with diets and changing our bodies in the pursuit of looking, you know, like a certain way, which is fueled by that billion dollar diet industry, you know, and we're just like, living in this world that's so obsessed with this idea of being, you know, quote unquote thin, which causes us to fear this weight gain and fear getting, I'm doing a lot of quotes, but like quote unquote fat and, you know, not living up to that standard of beauty that has been created or that, you know, idea of being healthy. So I think diet culture has really done a really good job of worshiping, you know, this thinness and equating that to being healthy. So it basically makes us believe that the only way for us to achieve, you know, good health and well-being and like a high social status is by making our bodies smaller, which sucks, honestly, but, um, you know, or what they call the thin ideal. So I think it's so important to be able to challenge those messages and hopefully put an end to diet culture. Just somewhat soon like God, it's so awful um but it's just so essential to creating this world that's just and peaceful for you know people of all bodies yeah and I think what's sad yet you know just not even amusing that's not the right word but I guess maybe ironic is that it is the thin ideal and we're you know told taught made to believe that thinner smaller everything is better like all of that and yet with the current culture and everything, that body dysmorphia is so abundant mm -hmm. that even when people are reaching these quote unquote ideals, they're not seeing it. And then it just keeps getting worse and worse. And that's where everything, you know, really you know, like shit hits the fan and the eating disorders come into play and everything. Because I think fundamentally it's like that idea of when is enough, you know, like when will we be enough? And it's just so, it's so horrible because it is the cycle of what you said, diet culture, the thin ideal, but then in there is the body dysmorphia mm -hmm. that just continuously fuels that fire to keep going and keep going. And it's, it is very sad. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's horrible. <laughs> like everywhere around us, you know, mm -hmm. you can't get away from it. And it just, it's so toxic and it's so just like heartbreaking to see so many people going through it. And it's just, it's so, so sad. I know. And as you were saying, you know, it's just this fear of gaining weight in any sense. I know that's something I personally have gone through, you know, gaining weight back after, you know, during recovery. And even now, you know, my body's constantly changing and evolving. Uh, but it's not easy. <laughs> like I've yet to meet someone that says, oh, this is so fun. I love it. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's really 
hard and, you know, mentally, physically, it just all feels different and new. So for anyone that's maybe like going through this process, what's, what's a bit of advice you might give them, you know, something you found that maybe helped, you know, in that journey, um, just to, just to help them through this, some, you know, somewhat challenging time. Yeah. You know, self-love after, weight gain can be so, so tough. Probably one of the toughest things like anyone might have to go through. And it definitely requires a very deep mindset shift for sure. Um, You know, I personally struggled with an eating disorder. So that heavily impacted how I perceived my body and how I treated it. So if I gained weight, I would punish myself by restricting my food and excessively exercising because I just felt so guilty and I couldn't live with myself because I gained weight. And, you know, the hardest part about my recovery was definitely having to put on that weight. And for me, it was, you know, make or break. If I didn't put that weight on, like shit was going to hit the fan, like it was going to be bad and it was just going to keep to spiral out of control. Um, But you know, that scared me. That was like the scariest thing ever because I had had, I had this constant fear of, you know, getting quote unquote fat and not being accepted and desired because I knew I wouldn't look like, you know, that standard that has been created. So learning to love myself in a bigger body was definitely hard, but I think some mindset shifts that helped me were First, just like saying goodbye to things that didn't serve me. So that meant especially like letting go of people in my life that made me feel less and made me feel small and really only cared about, you know, what I looked like, which is awful. And to anyone who listened who did that, like, I don't like you. (laughs) Um, But also, you know, unfollowing social media pages that were not in line with my beliefs and my values and you know, had me comparing myself to them that just like was super toxic for me. And it still is. And, you know, to this day, I don't follow a whole bunch of quote unquote fitspos or, you know, anything like that, just because I know personally, it's a trigger for me. And I don't want to get back into that mindset and that cycle and, you know, stuff like that. So that was something that really helped me to learn how to love my body and love myself. And, you know, um, like, understand that I'm more than a body and that's not the most important thing. Um, I think another thing was prioritizing my health over my weight because, you know, at, at my lowest point, it wasn't about, you know, I need to gain weight or like that fear of gaining weight necessarily, but it was because I needed to do that for my health and like my life. So when I learned to take the weight out of something and focus instead on my overall health and prioritizing my self-care, I noticed this huge difference in my mind and my body and my soul. And I was so, it was so much, not easier, but like I was more able to accept, you know, that process and just continue to grow with myself and learn and, you know, basically just like let go of that control, I guess. Yeah. It's almost as though it was, it's like boundary setting, you know, like when you're, I'm doing this with a lot of things right now, not related to recovery or such, but just with work and in my life. And I've started to realize lately, like how important that is in an actual recovery journey, um, even before it, because if you're with those type of people, like you said, that maybe aren't they're just not aligned with you fully, or maybe they're just not, you know, too up to speed on everything that's going on in your life. I mean, it can, all it takes is one little comment, one little comment that might not have any malice behind it, but to you, it means everything. And that comment meltdown happens. Yep. The meltdown (laughs) happens. It stays in your mind. And three years later, you'll still be thinking about, you know, the the friend that commented on your thighs, you know, like that's, it's something like literally that, you know, it happened to me still going through it. It's just crazy. And I think having those boundaries where, yeah, you either, you know, those people aren't in your life anymore, or like you said, you're filtering your feed, or -hmm. if you want those people in your life, set the boundary and say, Hey, I'm about to be gaining some weight. I'd prefer that you do not comment a single thing, you know, about my body during this time. And not that people should (laughs) ever be (laughs) commenting on our bodies, but if we have to get real specific here. So Mm -hmm. I think that's another thing people can maybe think of is setting boundaries, you know, with others, 
with the media you consume and even with yourself too, right? Like a self check-in of where did that thought come from? Why are we thinking it? Like set boundaries with yourself too, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had to, like when I got out of treatment and I was, you know, treatment for me was like my safe spot. It was like my little bubble. Everyone knew what was going on. I felt just like I'm okay in this, this space. And so, you know, when I get exposed to the real world, it's like almost like a culture shock. And I'm like, what the heck am I supposed to do? How do I like live life? So, you know, when I got around all my friends and stuff again, I could tell they were just like walking on eggshells. They didn't know what to say to me. I didn't know what to say to them. It was a very like uncomfortable situation. And so, you know, I had to set those boundaries and be like, okay, listen, like, you know, this is what you can say. This is what I'd prefer you not to say. And, you know, if you're not okay with this, then like, I can't have you be part of my life. I'm on this journey and I'm on this path. And like, if you're not going to support me and be there with me, like, you got to go. Sorry. Like it was hard because those, those were like my people and, you know, they were, just like people that I've been around forever. And it's like, I got to let these people go just because they're not helping me. And like, that was, it was so hard to come to terms with that and like actually do it, but it has made the, a huge difference in, you know, where I am now and that whole journey that I went on. So yeah, I definitely think boundaries are like crucial for any, for anything, whether it be recovery or just, you know, life, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, setting boundaries and then being okay with letting go. Yeah. What's what's not going to fit in. Yeah. Now, and we're both, you know, Instagram foodies. <laughs> so we know yeah. how important a role food can just play in, you know, joy and satisfaction in life. It's not everything. But if you're like us and you genuinely just enjoy food, you know, you find there's some people that just I have a couple friends and like they could care less about food. Yeah. And, you know, I, I used to have a really bad obsession with it. Now it's like, I've always been in the kitchen. I've always cooked and baked. So I have that inherent love just for like the art of food. Yeah. But it is a struggle because for anyone that's, you know, in recovery or maybe they're just having some disordered eating struggles in their day-to-day life, however it is, like, is there any advice you'd give to someone who's struggling to just, to just be with food, you know, to just enjoy it and eat it? and not be constantly obsessing or, you know, fearing the, the basic necessity of that. It's like so crazy. Cause I was thinking about this the other day and I'm like, when did food get so complicated? Like, <laughs> I don't even remember like a time when I just wasn't, wasn't thinking about food or like, you know, uh-huh. things behind it. It was just like, okay, well, you know, I'm hungry. I'm going to go eat, you know, kind of what our bodies are supposed to do. But I'm like, when did it get so complicated? But I don't know. I blame diet culture for that. And I blame it for everything, but, (laughs) um, you know, food to me is not just like simply stuff that people eat when they're hungry. I think food is so much more than that. It brings people together. It's social. It makes us feel good. It tastes good, you know? And like, as long as I can remember, I've always loved food. Like, you know, I just, I love it, love it so much. And I never thought there'd be a day where I struggled with eating. I was like, that doesn't even make sense. Like how, when I learned about eating disorders and stuff like that, when I was growing up, I was like, how do people not want to eat food? Like, I don't get it. And then, you know, one thing leads to the other and I'm struggling with food. So, (laughs) um, you know, food gave me so much anxiety and I was so just like terrified of it because I felt like I wasn't allowed to or, or to eat these certain foods. So, you know, I avoided them and I put all these food rules on and, you know, started labeling foods as good and bad. And that was this whole toxic, you know, way to look at food. So if anyone, or like, if you've ever struggled with an eating disorder or having any sort of unhealthy relationship with food, you are likely very familiar with having this fear of food. And it's, it's normal. Like, I don't want anyone to feel like, you know, what they're feeling. They're not crazy. It's not like uncommon. Like there's so many people that struggle with it. And it's, it's just, you know, society today has made us scared of food, which is sad because like you said, it's the basic necessity of life. Um, But, you know, learning how to eat normally after having um, such a toxic relationship with food was definitely not easy. And it took a lot of time and hard work Um, But I had to just train myself to ultimately give myself permission to eat the foods that I wanted. You know, I had to first 
changed the way that I was talking about foods. So I had to stop with the labeling of good and bad and, you know, healthy and unhealthy and stop giving food so much power over me, you know, what I ate did not reflect who I was as a person, you know, just because I ate something that was quote unquote bad, I'm not a bad person because of it. And that was like the hardest thing for me to, you know, come to terms with just because everywhere you look, somebody's telling you what's good and bad and just so many mixed messages. And I'm like, well, what do I believe? Like, how do I know what I should be eating or what I shouldn't be eating? And all this stuff, which also, again, I blame to diet culture, FYI. Oh, 100%. <laughs> um, but, you know, I had to, another thing that I did was I made a list of all the foods that I feared and, you know, why I feared them, what the messages were, and basically like the food rules that I associated with them. So like, for example, I, one of my biggest food fears were donuts. Like I, you would not catch me near a donut, like ever. But, you know, if you follow me now, you know how much I love donuts. They're like, you know, part of a staple in my life. They're part of your brand. <laughs> what? They're part of your brand. Exactly. Um, but, you know, I've always loved donuts, but I convinced myself that I wasn't allowed to eat them because they were packed with sugar and fat and all these, you know, bad ingredients that I was told I shouldn't be eating. So if I ate one of these donuts, I was considered bad and like, you know, going against the health. Um, but so once I gave my self permission to enjoy that donut and like actually just like eat it and be okay with it, it no longer had that moral value and it no longer had control over me. I was like, I gave so much power to this little donut of how I felt about myself. Like that just saying it out loud, it sounds crazy, but you know, in our minds, it's like this huge thing. Um, but you know, I could, I could eat a donut and enjoy it and just like move on with my day. And, you know, just having that permission and that, you know, self-compassion and understanding and love for myself, I think is what had helped me kind of stray away from all those food rules and that fear of food. Yeah. And I love what you did there with the list of the food fears and then writing out, you know, the rule you had about them, why you thought that, because I honestly think, and something I wanted to point out before too, is that when we're discussing all of this, like we're, you know, throwing word recovery around a lot and eating disorders, but I'd say, I mean, this is just me, but I'd say probably like 80% of the population has some sort of disordered relationship to food because I mean, it can swing both ways. It can be super subtle. It can be super deep. Um, man, woman, like any gender, any, anybody can have it. And I've seen it in so many people now in my life, like now that I've opened my eyes to it. And I think, you know, like writing out that list of fear foods and then the rule you had with them, the belief you had around them would be so powerful because I think also on that note, so many of us don't realize how many foods we have a subconscious fear of. Um, literally, I've just said this like two weeks ago in an intro that every couple weeks, it seems like a food will pop up and I'm like, why am I not eating? You know, like I realized, you know, like, why am I not eating this? And mm-hmm. then like, oh, okay. I think there's like a subconscious fear there. You know what I mean? Like, it's so interesting how ingrained these things are and making a list like that, I feel would be very eye-opening and just really reveal a lot more than we sometimes want to admit to ourselves, you know? And then I could just like, what I would do is pick like one thing from that list and make that, you know, my focus for like the week and be Mm -hmm. like, hey, I'm going to try to incorporate this into my life. And, you know, I didn't die. I survived. Like everything's fine. You know, it was just kind of, it was baby steps. It wasn't something that you can just like, switch like on and off it's like it's gonna take time and it's gonna take practice and it's gonna take you know that commitment to changing your mindset and changing your like wanting to change your relationship with food right yeah and just simplifying it again you know removing the moral values of quote-unquote good or quote-unquote bad or you know healthy clean any of those words that really just overcomplicate food um you know and I know this gets tricky with anyone that has legitimate health issues you know I'm there too and I feel that's why I haven't been able to reach like I guess as full of a recovery as I want because the lines get blurred there but I think overall it's so important to just acknowledge 
like we said, acknowledgement is the first step, like acknowledge what foods you're fearing, how you think of them, and then take that first baby step yeah, towards, towards working on it. Mm-hmm. Overall, like when we were discussing before about weight gain, body image, all of that that comes up, you said, you know, a lot of people struggle with that. And that is so true. I actually was just interviewing. Um, oh, and you'd mentioned like the Fitzwell accounts. And that's something yeah. else that I wanted to touch on because I know that is super triggering for some and for me especially. And one thing I found is that the only like fitness accounts I really follow are when I, I feel like I really have a connection to the person, right? Because I feel like when you have a connection to a person, whether you know them or not, you know, if you can kind of see them as a person rather than just the body, you know, like appreciate their personality rather than just objectifying them as a body and body quote unquote goals. Uh, I feel like it just opens up like a whole new thing. And, you know, I had on a friend of mine who's real big into fitness and movement. And, you know, to me, I just, you know, I think she's stunning and everything, but I had her on and we had an open conversation on body image Mm -hmm. and I just didn't realize how much she struggled. And it just goes to show that even these people, you know, that we sometimes put up on a pedestal, uh, they have their own issues too, you know, and they're critiquing themselves. So I just wanted to know, like on those body image days where you're just not feeling it, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's just a struggle. Um, is there anything, you know, in particular you do to really like help yourself through those days? I know before we were discussing like kind of overall struggle days, but when it comes to body image in particular, is there anything that you really try to focus on those days? Yeah. I mean, body image days suck. (laughs) They are just like, you know, from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, you're just like, today sucks. You know, it's one of those days. Um, But I think for me, when I struggle with body image, like I just do things that make me happy and that are going to distract me from that. So, you know, I will usually try to stay off social media because that's just, it's not a good place for me to be when I'm not feeling good about myself. That, and, and that's hard for me to do, you know, as a quote unquote influencer, like, you know, we build our brand on social media. So having to let go of that is definitely challenging. But I know for me personally, it's not something that is going to be beneficial for me when I'm trying to feel good about myself. Um, but, and then I, I just love to do little things that I know are going to make me happy. So, you know, I turn on, I crank up my favorite song. I like, you know, have a little dance party. I'll do a lot of like self-care, take a bath, put a face mask on, you know, something like that. Go out for a walk, just little things that don't require me to focus on my body, you know, not looking in the mirror, not trying on new clothes, like nothing like that. Anything that's going to trigger me, I try to just stay away from and do things that I know are like good for my soul and good for like my well-being and being around people that are going to make me smile and be happy and, you know, feel good about myself. Those are definitely things that I try to incorporate whenever I'm feeling, you know, down and not good about myself. And in that situation too, like, I don't like to be alone. If I'm alone and I'm not feeling good about myself, like something bad is going to happen. It's not going to be good. So, you know, I just like to be around either like nature or just around other people or, my dog, you know, my dog's like the best thing ever. So it's just like something that I know is going to make me happy. And that's different for everyone for sure. But, and, and then here comes the list again, you know, I can make a list about things that make me happy. And whenever I'm feeling down, just, you know, go to that list, keep it in your phone, have it somewhere near you. Um, just to pretty much distract yourself, I think is how I do it. Did you ever struggle with like on those bad body image days, almost that like what we talked about before, the old like punished mentality where Mm -hmm. I would, you know, on a bad body image day, just feel like I had to work out extra or I had to monitor what I ate extra, like all these things that when you really look at it are a way of like punishing your body for something it has, you know, like you can't control bad body image. Absolutely. Did you ever struggle with that mindset? Oh, for sure. Like I got deep into like the diet culture mind. I'm just going to, again, blame it on diet culture. But yeah. It's, it's <laughs> just title this diet culture sucks. Yeah. Like it's all your fault. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got deep, deep into it. Like it was just a spiral and I couldn't, I couldn't stop. Um, but you know, I was constantly just fearing food and obsessing over the number on the scale, counting every single calorie, 
um, you know, just punishing my body any way that I could. And, you know, it wasn't fair to my body. It wasn't fair to do that. It's, I, my, when was it yesterday? I posted like a, mm. a dear body letter and like, that was honestly like the most amazing thing ever just to write an open love letter to your body, just thanking it for all that it's done and apologizing for how you treated it. I didn't know would have so much power and so much just like good feeling behind it. And I highly recommend anybody doing that because it opened my eyes to something that I've never seen before. And, um, you know, yeah, diet culture, just it makes you want to punish yourself and that's not fair and you know when we start to um you know seek our worth in what our body looks like and you know what size we are we end up you know blaming ourselves instead of blaming these diets that have failed us because diets don't work and that's how diet culture that's what it's based on is to make us feel bad about ourselves and make us like blame ourselves. So, you know, at the end of the day, we're left with these like damaged self esteems. We're fearing failure and we just have like an overall negative attitude towards any kind of change. So, you know, I think just trying to do our best to reject that diet culture and the messages it's giving us, you know, if you want to go eat a donut one day, go eat a donut. If you don't want to work out, don't work out. I'm a huge proponent of just listening to your body, doing what feels good, doing what's going to make you happy and screw what everyone else has to say. <laughs> Honestly. And that post you were talking about is so powerful, but for anyone, since these will be out so far or, you know, far apart for anyone that, you know, hasn't gotten to read that post, like, is there, could you share just a, example or two of things that you thanked your body for just so if people because as you said I think this is a really strong um, exercise you know write out exercise that people could do just to really work through that so what were you know a thing or two that you thanked your body for so I played college soccer um, a few years back and it was you know, really hard on my body. And that's when I was going through my eating disorder. So it was like, you know, a, a beautiful storm, I guess you could say. And I ended up having to have knee surgery. Well, four knee surgeries. It was not wow. a good time. Yeah. So, you know, one thing that I never really thanked my body for was like getting me through that and, you know, healing and getting its strength back and its power. And just like, I was, so negative feeling that I'm never going to get back to how I was. I'm, I had to like relearn how to walk a couple times. I like forgot how to walk. It was the craziest thing ever, but you know, my body is what did that. And I wasn't even thinking it for it. I didn't even appreciate all that it was doing. I was only focusing on what it wasn't doing, which I think is also, you know, what happens in life too. We look at things that we don't have and things that we want instead of appreciating everything that we do have. So, you know, that was huge for me to just like come to terms with thanking my body for helping me get through that, you know, and there's like a whole bunch of other things, but like I could go on and on. <laughs> yeah. I think that's so beautiful and so true where there, there are so many correlations between body image, disordered eating, and just life in general. Like I released a finance episode a couple of weeks ago. And something I brought up was this idea of just like my, you know, bad relationship, or I guess, you know, struggle with food of, you know, restrict, overeat, back and forth, like that yo-yo effect. I was doing the same thing with finances, you know, like yeah. not spending at all, overspending. And as you just said, you know, we choose to, with our bodies, kind of just focus on the negative in life. We, we focus on that lack mentality yeah. or we focus on like what's not working, you know, like, oh, I hate this and we're not focusing yeah. on what is. So it's mm -hmm. just interesting. I think another reason why, like when you recover, people really say like your entire life changes because yeah. in reality, like the, the habits you're overcoming and the mindsets you're overcoming in recovery then pour into your life. And it just, there, it really becomes just so much more abundant, I think, in so many aspects. Yeah. One of like the biggest things that I, um, like learned during recovery is I had to give up that all or nothing mindset. 
Like it was crazy how much of everything I did in life was like, I'm either going to do it all or I'm not going to do it at all. And I'm like, what the heck? I was looking at things as like black and white and it just was such an unhealthy way to think. And like now that I can kind of think, I feel like I have a different view on just, you know, life in general and I can see things so much clearer and, you know, not have that feeling of that extremist mentality of when I have to do something or, you know, I'm not going to do it. And I think that was like the most eye opening, like game changing thing I learned for sure. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. That all in or nothing. And even what you said before, like letting go of control. I think a lot of us that struggle with this could admit we have lots of control issues. <laughs> and I mean, a big part of recovery is that you do have to let go of some yeah. of that. Um, so yeah, just, you know, whether it's the all or nothing mentality, kind of that, you know, like good and bad, the control tendencies, there's just, there's a lot, you know, a lot of overlap that comes through. Um, and I am curious, I mean, going into even more lifestyle shifts, you are on route to become a dietitian. So yes, (laughs) I'm cheering you on. (laughs) I just had a friend, um, finish, you know, everything past her exam and, I just, I was like, go you, because I, I've said it before on an episode, like I just couldn't do it. So I'm just curious, what prompted you to take that step? Uh, you know, just what do you kind of hope to get from this, this journey you're embarking on? Yeah, it's been a crazy journey. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, whoever said it was easy, was seriously mistaken, but, um, so I went to school previously to become a physical therapist. I wanted to, you know, work with the body and that kind of stuff. So I went through school, got my degree and then was like, well, shoot, I don't know what to do. I don't want to be a physical therapist anymore. I spent, you know, years in physical therapy. The last place I want to go is, you know, back there. So I'm like, okay, well, what am I going to do? So this was the time when I was having my knee surgery. So I had some time to think and I was like, okay, well, I moved back home to Nevada, which is where I am now with my family. And I was like, okay, well, I need something else to do. Like, you know, I don't want to follow this path that I'm on, but you know, I just had all this struggle with food and, you know, disordered eating and stuff what's something that I could do with that? So I'm like, light bulb, I'm going to go study nutrition, you know, because I think one of the big things for me was that I was just so uneducated. I had no idea, you know, really what food was. I knew what society wanted me to believe food was, but I didn't really know actually what food was. So I was like, I think this will be, I think this is my calling in life. You know, I think I went through all this and you know, went through all these struggles to use that experience to, you know, help people. Cause at the end of the day, like my goal is to help people. That's really what I want to do. But I'm like, if I can use my past experiences, I think that's so powerful because nobody really understands it unless you've been through it. So I remember like going through treatment and I'm like having all these therapists talk to me and then stuff. And I'm like, how do you know what I'm going through? Like, you don't know, like, how can you give me advice when you don't even know what I'm going through? So I'm like, okay, well, I have this upper hand because I know what they're going through. I know what it's like. So that's kind of where my passion and my journey came from. And it's honestly helped me so much like during recovery just to understand food and get like the knowledge behind it and like kind of see what food really is. Um, But, you know, my goal is to be one of those like non-diet dietitians. I want to help, you know, spread the word of, eating disorders and disordered eating and kind of stop diet culture and, you know, just use my education and my experiences to continue that conversation and to open those doors and to hopefully like kick diet culture to the curb. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's so powerful because, you know, my friend and I, that my friend that just, you know, became an RD, we always discuss the fact that just because, you know, you're a nutritionist or a dietitian or Mm -hmm. anything like that, that that doesn't automatically give, you know, like a, a go free pass, right? Because like you said, there can still be a lot of diet culture weaved Mm -hmm. in there and it can still be just a dangerous combination. So I love, you know, like the well necessities. There's so many wonderful examples on Instagram of you guys that are going to, I just feel like be such a wave in like the new generation, you know, the generations to come hopefully as these professionals we work with, whether that's in therapy, 
in, you know, nutrition, dietetics, uh, even, you know, with personal trainers, fitness people to have this new way of speaking about health as more of the 360 view rather than just diet culture spewed in, you know, with some science. So I love that you're doing that, you know, and you're fusing both of your, both of your passions and it will help people. So, oh, that's wonderful. (laughs) Nutrition is so individualized, which is like, you know, these diets say they're going to work for everyone, but that's not true. So it's like, why are we listening to these crazy loonies telling us to eat this and you'll look like this when everybody, everybody is different? Like, I just think that's ridiculous, but. Yeah. And I mean, that's where, you know, trends and influence. Mm -hmm. I always try to strive on here. Any conversation I have isn't to influence, but to inspire, educate, you know, like that internal motivation because I mean for instance you know like you said every diet is different I you know I I've had gut issues for a long time and for a while I was eating you know like all the probiotic rich foods because that's what everyone says to do (laughs) so then I start working with a professional we test my gut and here with the specific issue I have those are actually worsening it oh super (laughs) there you go Emily all that time and money you spent on eating these foods that were, you know, something you learned through the internet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was like, they were really not doing so well. So it's just so important, like you said, just to really tune in, you know, what are you doing because the internet told you so, and what are you doing because it genuinely feels good on your body uh, and in your body. So I, I love that you have that approach to it all. Is there any like last bit of wisdom, advice, a message you want people to just hear, take with them as they leave this episode and go back out into the world with diet culture all around, (laughs) something you want them to just carry with them? I think I just want everyone to know like how powerful it is to practice self-love like consciously. You know, it's not something that comes overnight. It's not something that, you know, you can read a book and, and, or listen to, you know, a song or something and all of a sudden you feel this self-love and you love yourself for everything. I think it's really important to really focus on building that relationship with yourself and just figuring out what fuels your fire and what's going to make you, you know, feel good about yourself, enjoy life and just like follow your passions. I think that's so so important. And, you know, at the end of the day, we all deserve this. We all deserve to live happy, healthy lives, you know, just full of love and enjoyment and, you know, self-love all the way is my message. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Yes. Well, where can people find you? Follow along. Your captions are actual (laughs) fire. I even said that like in the email, I think like literally every time I open your caption, I'm just like, (laughs) <laughs> oh, let me take a moment here. Love that. <laughs> so where can people find you, follow along, and just take in everything you have to offer? Um, so I am on Instagram is kind of where you can really find me. My handle is at Body by Breakfast. Um, I post, you know, healthy recipes, um, funny punny captions, and some like other, you know, deep, serious stuff about body image and eating disorders and that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, that's where you can find me and follow along. 